welcome to the first episode of the Average Ontario Anglers podcast. So you may recognize Jesse and myself from our very successful, uh, moderately our our account that we have on the Instagram. Uh, possibly even recognize us from our YouTube videos. We've been on online for a couple of years now, and we're really excited to be branching out into the podcasting arena. Uh, today our main topic that we're going to be focusing on is going to be small craft angling, specifically canoes and kayaks. We will be doing another episode later on in the future about fishing from aluminum boats and john boats and whatnot. But today we're focusing on those truly small watercrafts, those canoes and kayaks. At the end of the episode we're also going to have a question and answer. So we posted on our Instagram account uh, a request for some questions. We will be answering at least some of them. And everyone who enters, a, who submits a question will actually be entered into essentially a raffle. We're going to have a giveaway for the episode. And so be sure to listen uh, to the end of the episode to see if your question gets answered right here on the podcast. And also at every subsequent week, make sure you listen to the end of the episode to see if you're the one who actually wins that raffle of whatever the prize giveaway is going to be. And I haven't told Andrew the prize yet, but the prize this week, it's pretty good. Like I, Andrew I, I himself will want to win it, but he can't. It's against the rules. <laughs> I did submit a question. Am I in the raffle? No. All right, fine. That's fair. So uh, we're going to start the episode, though, with an interesting fishing fact, which Jesse has prepared, and I have no clue what it is, and I'm a little scared. Yeah, so I thought it would be interesting if every week we had an interesting fishing fact, and we didn't tell the other person so that we couldn't prepare. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So I thought today, since it's winter, our interesting fishing fact could be about lake trout. One of Andrew's favorite fish. I've caught three of them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing this size, though. So the interesting fishing fact is actually going to be about the record size lake trout. Now, this is very interesting. Just a guess. What do you think is the IGFA all-tackle world record lake trout? How many pounds? I, I know of guys who've caught 60s. I know a guy who caught like an 80. So I'm going to say... You know a guy who caught an 80. He caught it in, I believe it was, he says it was 80. Whether or not it was true or not, I'm going to say it's around the 80 mark. Okay. So the current IGFA all-world uh, tackle record for Lake Trout is 72 pounds. Okay, so he was a liar. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's the biggest Lake Trout recognized caught on a line that was actually wow. sent in and verified. And that was caught in 1995. And it, it's very interesting because... That's not the biggest lake trout that they've seen. That's the biggest one that they've caught. Okay. So now like a lake trout is, it's a salmonoid or a char. Like it's in that family. They all look kind of similar. Yeah. Now you've caught salmon 25, 30 pounds. Imagine having a fish literally <laughs> three times bigger than that. Like it is a giant, giant fish, right? And the cool thing is that 72 pounder that was officially caught as the record. That's nothing. That's literally nothing. So <laughs> a few years ago, um, the world's this is what they think is the world's biggest lake trout. It was caught in a gill net um, in Great Bear Lake in Canada, and it weighed 83 pounds. And I'm going to show you a picture of it, Andrew, so you can react to that fish. <laughs> Look at the size of that. Now, to describe this fish, how would you describe that? Um, girthy. It's it's <laughs> got wait, it's the patented girthy <laughs> it, it puts a, a giant trophy muskie to shame it it's looks massive that thing looks like like a catfish though the way that belly is just like squishing oh. out between his hands holding that that's it's absolutely that's giant and that that they got in a gill net and that's not the biggest one okay <laughs> that's the biggest recent one so back in 1961 in saskatchewan they caught another one in a gill net. Now, this is like not as verified because it was back in the olden days. 102 pounds. 102 pound oh lake trout. Oh, my trip. word. Isn't that insane? Imagine catching it through the ice and you're in a hut and the hole that's in the hut is too small. You'd literally <laughs> need like, like ah. a two-foot hole to get that thing through. <laughs> now, to, to bring it a little closer, the Ontario record lake trout is 63 pounds, 12 ounces. The length of that fish, 51.5 inches. 32.8 inches around in girth that's a giant wow. fish wow 51.5 inch that's like a giant that's musky. crazy that's a giant musky that's crazy and thick and the last interesting fishing fact about lake trout is which i'm sure some of us may know but lake trout live a long time lake trout can live up to 60 years imagine how many lures wow. that those fish have seen over the years 
or maybe haven't because they they got that big by being smart. Yeah. But I know we may not have, you know, 83 pound lake trout around us, but we do have a lot of really good lake trout fisheries like Lake Simcoe um, has a lot of giants in it and a lot of other lakes. But if you ever catch an 83 pounder, tag us in your picture for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that ends interesting fishing fact of the week. So that was, I, I like that. That was good. So the uh, main topic of the ex- of the episode is going to be fishing out of a canoe and kayak. So uh, I just wanted to open up first with a little bit of history. So I figured we focus a little bit on canoes first and then and kayaks and kind of mix between. Sounds good. So the canoe has been around for thousands and thousands of years. So they have uh, some of the first canoes were the dugout canoe, which was made from one solid tree that they would literally chisel out the inside of. Uh, and that has been used for thousands of years. They've found some from like 8200 BC, <laughs> these canoes. Well, wow. uh, apparently is what they dated them to. Um, there's bark canoes, uh, which a lot of the natives had used. And then there's skin canoes. So that was like animal skin stretched over top of wood frames. Uh, cedar strip was more, was you know, a bit more, more recent. Aluminum, fiberglass, Kevlar carbon fiber and a variety of different plastics they've made canoes out of so a lot of that advancement had happened in more recent years but canoes have been around for a very long time so it's one of those crafts that they have really perfected and continue to improve upon which really impresses me the fact that you can get a canoe made now or like a company like like swift canoe or or you know any of these companies sort of keep pushing forward with their advancements and these canoes are like even better crazy light super stable like it's so insane light. what they can do with canoes yeah for something that's been around and been improved upon time and time again for thousands of years they're still making them better i think that's awesome uh the kayak is actually a kind of a subgenre of canoe so the difference with between a canoe and a kayak if you're not aware is a kayak has a um a deck essentially it's a covered deck on a kayak so the canoe is open top the kayak it comes over top there are now different as again sub genres of kayaks you're gonna have like a sit on top kayak uh you know different thing you have the sit in they have the ones that help have the full skirts you're basically like fully protected no matter what happens to you but there's different versions but essentially a kayak is a closed deck so a sit on top kayak kayak you're actually sitting on top of the deck essentially uh, and the one thing I want to mention from them as well, so they originated from Greenland, uh, supposedly. The original ones were made out of skin stretched over a wooden frame. A lot of the Inuit had used those. And yes, nowadays they, they've really improved upon those like a lot as well in recent years. So I just wanted to start off with kind of the difference between the two and history of both. But uh, I want to go into some questions here for Jesse. What, when did you first fish out of a canoe or a kayak? Um, I first fished out of a canoe, probably with my dad, uh, the Kortha Lakes. Yeah, I remember. I was excited. I was really excited because we, we grew up trout fishing, stream trout fishing or fishing from shore. Like, you know, when we were young, fishing for sunfish off the dock, stuff like that. So my dad would, we didn't, he used to have canoes growing up, but I guess when he got married, he never got one. Um, so he, we rented a canoe at a provincial park. I remember I was really excited. It was one of those big red plastic Coleman canoes, you know, those big, super heavy ones, but they're stable. We went out there, caught a few bass, some sunfish. It was it was exciting. But I think most of the time we fished canoe, it was at your cottage when we went out on, on that river and just tried our best to catch pike and not fall in the water. <laughs> yeah. That was that was out of uh, my grandpa's old uh, Coleman canoe. That was, I love those. The, the I, red I'd, classic Coleman. I'd pick one up uh, yeah. again, 100%. If I didn't have to carry it somewhere, I'd run a Coleman. They, they're oh, super yeah. stable, super durable, and super nostalgic for me just because I – I grew up fishing out of that canoe. Yeah. Um, and as for kayaks, mm-hmm. um, I got a kayak a while. I, I've, I've fished in a few kayaks over the years, but I picked one up. I actually, um, it's, it's a funny story how I got my first legitimate kayak. Is a sit on top, a 12 and a half foot sit on top fishing kayak. And uh, one of our friends said to me, he's like, oh, I got this kayak. It's in my garage just sitting there. Do you, do you want it? And I was like, yeah, how much do you want for it? And he's like, oh, I want 400 bucks. And, I, and at the time I was like, it wasn't really the kayak that I really wanted. And, and it was all beat up. And I said, you know what? Um, I'll give you 200 bucks for it. And he's like, no, I need 400 bucks. He's like, I'll tell you what, you take me trout fishing. If you can get me on 
a, a bigger than you know he held out his hands he's like a bigger than this big fish he's like I'll, I'll give you the kayak for 200 bucks so it happened to be you know just after trout opener so i took him out trout fishing on this creek and i i literally just hooked him up with some dew worms and it, it was a perfect day <laughs> it was like early may there's still a lot of big bows up in the creeks we found a nice deep hole saw a bunch of rainbows swimming around and i and it had just rained the water was like you know a little bit you know nice and murky put on a big dew worm and i chucked it out and i was like all right just hang on and he literally he caught a he caught a few but he caught one that was really big it, it was it was a steelhead at least i'd say 10 pounds which, which for him was probably one of the biggest fish he's ever caught in his life yeah. and as soon as we got home he's like all right 200 bucks <laughs> so that that was that and i actually ended up selling it to a guy on instagram i don't know if he if he's still using it but i am i actually won a kayak at uh, the kayak uh, meetup last uh, year i haven't picked it up yet but uh, <laughs> i do have plans on getting a paddle a pedal drive kayak in 2024 so that's my plan but yeah, Andrew, cool. he doesn't want to pedal, so. Nope, I, I prefer my, <laughs> I just got an aluminum boat, which again, we'll talk about in another episode another time. But yeah, I, for, I do own a canoe, which we fished out of that canoe for a very years. long time. Yeah, so I, I got a swift canoe. I was, I believe, 14 years old when I bought that. I'd saved up for years. And I bought that canoe. It's a 16-foot Algonquin uh, by Swift. And yeah, that thing, I bought it for a portage up into Algonquin Park. I wanted something light enough that I could go. Uh, that year, it is a limited run for that canoe, actually. It's made of golden glass, which they don't use anymore. <laughs> so it is a mixture of Kevlar and fiberglass. So you get the uh, fiberglass canoes are known for their durability. It has lots of flexibility. So you're bumping into a rock or a log or whatnot. It'll kind of flex with that and won't crack. Kevlar is extremely light, but is a lot because it's so rigid it can crack a lot easier so it's not as durable um, especially when they were first out so the golden glass weaving those two together you had something that still had a, a lot of flexibility in that canoe still oh, but yeah. we has hit. a lot more rigidity and, and a lot of lightness because of the kevlar so i think it weighs just over 50 pounds or something like that yeah for a 16 foot canoe and we've hit a bunch of rocks with it over the years oh i used to take that thing like <laughs> i used to go and run down the beaver river when i lived on lake simcoe and it's like oh look a rapids and it's like two inches deep and it's like <laughs> yeah like scraping over rocks yeah oh i had to like buff we, it out after we put our canoes through some torture especially my sports pal we'll get more into that but like yeah. my sports pal it looks like it's 10 years old and it's only two years old <laughs> some people are like how long have you had that i'm like a year and a half and it's just covered in dents and scratches and i'm like you know what i bought this to fish out of it yeah. not to keep it pretty <laughs> so uh we'll talk a little bit on the pros and cons kind of g general right now of uh, canoe versus kayak so depending on what you're looking to do with it again we, we're mainly fishing out of ours some people like it just to paddle around and, and goof off on uh we want it, we're looking at it more so from the side of if you want to fish out of it even if you want it for multi-use you know what's going to be useful when you are fishing out of it so for me i i really like canoes i haven't I don't have much experience fishing out of kayaks in all honesty, but the canoe I really like because when I think fishing, most of the time growing up, it was camping as well. Mm -hmm. So to go camping, you can take another person with you. You can go by yourself in a canoe. You can, you know, load it up. There's, it's a full open bottom. So you can put whatever you want in there. You can load it up, take a bunch of gear. Like you and I went camping in my canoe mm -hmm. and like we had that thing loaded yeah. And it's amazing what they can handle, especially depending on the model you get, what they're designed for. But canoes can take a lot more gear, I would say, than a kayak. Oh, 100%. So just to add to that, so like my my sports pal is a 14-foot wide, wide transom. I have an 800-pound capacity. So even a very expensive, like a Hobie Pro Angler, it's, it's not even close to that. Or like the average uh kayak is like even a like a big expensive kayak you're you're usually maxing out like four or five hundred pounds for capacity my canoe is 800 so you can see you could have two guys in like me and andrew like two guys all of our equipment too many fishing rods just <laughs> you know propane like everything yep. and we're fine we're not even close to to maxing out the 800 pound capacity so for camping like yeah guys fish out of go you know they'll go with the kayaks to go camping but you can 100 percent camp out of it but it, it's not kayak, as ideal yeah not your kayak close. and you want to you know you're portaging around and stuff like that you can definitely do a kayak you're forced to pack light which is going to help you 
Um, but canoe, you can also, you can pack just as light in a canoe and still use that. So I would say that overall canoes are more, they have a, a, a broader range as to what you can do with it. Is it going to be the best at any of those things? No. <laughs> yeah. It's the best at, at carrying gear around. That was our intended purpose when they were first like invented. And two years ago. guys. I think and that's the biggest multiple thing. People. Yeah. You can get canoes that we used to hold whole war parties of, of people. And they like, there's 30 guys in a canoe all paddling, ripping across a lake. Like they, they traverse the great lakes in these things. But again, like that's not what you're going to be going on buying. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I, I hope not. if you buy a war party <laughs> canoe to fish, then believe me, I'll be I'll be paddling the other way furiously. But, but to add to that, so like you, you said, canoes can do a lot of uh, things compared to a kayak. But kayaks are better at some things than canoes. Hundred percent. Like I would not want to take my canoe, like me and Andrew have been in my canoe and his canoe too, in Lake Ontario on a calm day. But in a kayak, you can go way out on the lake. Because if you take water on, it's fine. It just goes through the scupper holes. But on a canoe, you'll fill up and you'll die. <laughs> so so that's a good point. So uh, scupper holes, what are scupper holes then? So scupper holes are holes inside of your kayak. And they go right through the kayak to the bottom. So if any water comes in, like say you get a wave that comes in, which happens all the time. And this this is for a sit-on-top kayak yeah. style. So water will come into your kayak. Um, and then it just drains out the bottom. And... It's, it's great because like sometimes when you're on the lake, you know, you're in some little waves and stuff. And, you know, once you have some experience being in bigger water, it's it's not actually dangerous. It can be. But, you know, water can come in your kayak and it will drain out. Canoes don't have scupper holes because if they did, they would sink. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so canoes, that's, that's a very good point. So I've been in some pretty rough water. I have flipped my canoe multiple times. Uh, it's not something to really be like scared of depending on what time of year it is. And, you know, what gear you want to, you're, you're risk, at risk of losing. But uh, the canoe is not as stable in general as kayak, depending on the kayak. Because you can get kayaks with the sit inside style. Mm-hmm. And, you know, freestyle kayaks are like six feet long They for whitewater rafting. That's just for the sport of that. Again, that's something that's very, like, oriented to a certain sport, an event. Uh, you get other sit inside kayaks they're a blast just to like paddle around and i rented some of those up in tobamori going over the old shipwrecks like that was amazing to do that and they're super easy to move very mobile a lot easier to paddle around in than a canoe yeah but generally the sit inside style kayaks aren't ideal for fishing there's no accessible storage really because when you're fishing you're going to have like probably multiple rods out you're going to have a tackle box there's no real place to have that on a sit inside kayak. Yeah. So generally when we're talking about fishing, it's going to be a sit on top style. You have, there's the fishing models that have built in rod racks, they have pedal drive, they have ones that you can fit a motor into mm-hmm. all the, all these things that are geared to let you have the best fishing experience out of, as a one man crew on a, on a boat. It's a fishing platform. You paddle around hundred percent. Awesome. And a kayak, I'll, I'll say a pro for a kayak is it's much easier to fish in a kayak solo so if you're in a canoe by yourself unless you're fishing my canoe which isn't really a canoe because it has a a motor and a trolling motor on it uh it's hard to paddle a canoe by yourself and fish it's way easier to be in a kayak even if you're paddling because you're in the middle you know it's a lot easier and safer and more stable another thing i wanted to mention then with the canoes and kayaks so with canoes specifically there's a lot of different styles so whole shape and design changes what it's good for is it good for stability is it good for taking a lot of weight is it good for uh for tracking in the water it's gonna get blown around by wind all these different things but you know if you want to get more information on that you can always do your research on and see exactly what you really want in your canoe for what it's going to do but i want to talk about the different transom styles so mm-hmm. you have the standard canoe that you imagine is pointed on both ends you can paddle it either way depending if you're by yourself or with two people in it to keep the weight balanced properly and then you also have canoes where they have they're called a flat back or square back canoe and you can mount is a tiny little transom you can mount like one motor on it on jesse's sports bell he has the full transom canoe mm-hmm. so it's essentially the full width there's almost the full width of the widest part of the canoe is exactly what it is at the back end so he can actually fit his little two and a half horse and trolling motor together on the back of this full transom yeah it's amazing at the same time it sucks to paddle that canoe (laughs) because of the square back it doesn't like glide and cut through the water very well so and it's really wide it's really wide it's stable it's awesome like it's great to fish out of uh if you're gonna put a motor on it i'd say get that if you want something that you can also paddle i wouldn't recommend getting a full transom back yeah 100 percent 
Yeah, because like I get that question all the time. Like you, you wouldn't even understand how many people talk like <laughs> ask me questions about my sports pal at the lake, at the boat launch, on Instagram, on YouTube, all the time. Like, oh, which one should I get? Should I get this one or that one? What length should I get? You know, and and like Andrew said, here's my advice: if you want a canoe and you want a sports pal and you're gonna paddle it 100% of the time. Get the double pointed, the pointed front and the back. If you're going to put a motor on it, but also would like to paddle it occasionally, the best probably overall one is the, I think they just call it the the square stern. Yeah. It's not the wide transom. The square stern, you can put a trolling motor on the back, which a lot of people do, or you could put a little two and a half or three horsepower on the back. That's great. But if you don't want to paddle at all, okay, you're buying <laughs> this boat. lazy boys over yeah, here. <laughs> I call it fishing. You can put a trolling motor and a gas motor on the back of the wide transom. Yeah. I think the transom in the back is like 30 inches wide. Yeah. So we can have a trolling motor so we can fish standing up and then we can use the gas motor to get from spot to spot. And I'll tell you the efficiency of that. This is one big pro and why I picked the sports pal over a kayak. Because like for the same amount of money I spent, I could have bought a nice pedal drive. Not really, but almost. But basically in a pedal drive, you have to be sitting down to pedal to move. Okay. I like standing up to fish because I'm I fish shallow water bass fishing. I like to stand up. In my sports pal, I can stand up with one hand on the trolling motor and fish standing up as yeah. I'm moving. You can't do that in a kayak unless you have the auto drive system, which is like nine thousand dollars. <laughs> in a calm area, we can both stand up in that canoe and fish. Which out of something that that's portable for two people to stand up is is awesome. We're fishing in a fifty-five pound canoe yeah. and two guys. Like how tall are you? Six three. I'm six two. Six two. Like we're not skinny either. Like we we're yep. decent sized guys, and we're both standing, figurating for muskie in a a tin fifty five pound canoe. And I have no one I've, of us catching a muskie on the figure eight. Yeah, <laughs> one of them <laughs> netting it for him. But I I don't think I think I've had maybe one scare where I thought I was going to tip in, and it was because of my fault. I, I I've never been fishing and been like, oh, I feel like I'm I'm unstable. Yeah, that canoe is literally like a floating platform. It's so wide. I have no. People are like, oh, can you get stabilizers on the side? I was like, don't bother. <laughs> We're in Lake Ontario and big swells in that boat. No fear of it tipping over. So I want, I'm glad we're talking about your, your canoe because I wanted to go into the different crafts we've actually owned a little bit. So your sports pal, like you said, we get a lot of information about it. You've already kind of talked about what is great about using it. But when you're buying it, what were you looking for when you chose? And what were some of the determining factors why you chose that model? Because you got the 14-foot full transom sports pal canoe so like what other research did you do that you opted out of other canoes let's say to choose that one okay so the main like the reason i just talked about i like standing um i knew i wanted a gas motor because like i've we've all been there with the trolling motor on a canoe and you have the same thing as like people that drive teslas you have range anxiety they're always <laughs> checking the battery like oh you know like you can get a day out of a battery no problem if you're just trolling around while you're fishing but to get from spot to spot you need a gas motor yeah you have a little tank of gas you're like i'm good the battery will last all day when i'm fishing and when i go from spot to spot i'm not literally going three kilometers an hour draining my battery going like <laughs> you know 60 70 percent so i wanted to be able to stand i wanted to have the ability to you know it's a small boat but i want to be able to run like one or two or three kilometers in in you know whatever direction <laughs> i want to get to spots that i want but the options that i needed because i have a small car i have a, a mazda 3 and I live in a condo, so like I don't have a spot to park a boat. I, I don't have a hitch to pull a boat or a car big enough to pull a decent-sized boat. So it had to be something that could fit on my roof racks. So my options right away are going to be these three. A canoe, a flatback canoe, a pedal drive kayak, or an inflatable Zodiac boat. Now, they all have their place. The Zodiac boat is probably not the most popular in this area. I have seen a few people use them. I know there's a guy in uh, Nova Scotia that follows us on Instagram that fishes out of a Zodiac and man, he catches big strippers. They're an amazing and, boat for their purpose. Oh, 100%. Fantastic. And they're not cheap if you get a good one. Um, you can buy cheap ones, but I wouldn't. But uh, it would also be great for going out on, on Lake Ontario because they're basically unsinkable. The problem with, the reason I didn't choose that is number one, they were expensive. Uh, number two, setup time setup time like you have to inflate it out in the floors do this and do that like it's not hours but it's, it's still it, it it's, adds up it's longer than having a boat that's already made <laughs> yeah um option two was a pedal drive kayak pedal drive kayaks are really expensive to get a decent one you're spending at least 
you know, three and a half, four thousand dollars. Yeah. Which I mean, like it is what it is. Um, my whole setup is almost that much. But the main problem with kayaks like that are they weigh a lot. Okay, so my canoe weighs fifty five pounds. Um, I can easily lift it on and off of the car by myself, no problem. That, let's use a old town um, big water. 132 is a that's like a very popular pedal drive kayak that thing weighs a lot that thing's like 120 pounds like it's it's yeah. a big boy and i don't care how strong you are you're throwing that on top of your car you're gonna wreck your back or your it's, shoulder it's the weight of an, an aluminum boat yeah it's like so a lot of guys put them on trailers for re, for a good reason because they're yeah. dang heavy i'm not saying you can't put them on top of your roof lots of people do there's lots of ways to put it on top of your roof but it is a big heavy boat and expensive four thousand dollars so I'll ask you the question. If I if I said to you, here's $4,000, you have to buy a pedal drive kayak, which you have to pedal all day long. Stable, it's a nice boat, really good boat. Or I'm going to give you a 14-foot, really light canoe with a gas motor on the back, a trolling motor, a battery, a fish finder, and all the accessories you want for less than $4,000. Which one are you going to pick? 100% canoe. Yeah. 100%. And it's more versatile. I can use it camping. I can do this with it. I can put two. I can put three people in it if I That's want. That's a big determining factor I know for you too. Because we fish a lot together to get he, you know, he had his older kayak at the time when he was looking for the for the sports pal. And he can only go out in that, which is nice, a stable platform. He can stand up and, and cast and whatnot. But, but I'd have to leave him at all. Yeah. And I was getting real upset at him. So I told him, you need to get something that can sit me as well. Yeah. And, and it's good because like the sports pedal. Completely his expense. So. <laughs> yeah. So like I was really, and I am going to eventually get a pedal drive kayak. Because that's something like living near Lake Ontario. There's lots of options for somewhere where you could have a bigger kayak. But you want to bring someone else. Like my wife, I take my wife fishing. I take my father-in-law fishing. I take Andrew fishing all the time. I have uh, two nephews that I take fishing all the time. I want to have that option to bring someone else. I don't want to be like, oh, sorry, man. I have this, this sick kayak, but you can't get in there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, and I love fishing pros and cons. with people with friends. Yeah. That's awesome. That so, being said, like there are pros and cons of, of getting a canoe. Like it does limit where you can go, but that's why I chose the Sports Pal. And, you know. So with Sports Pal, uh, do you know when Sports Pal, the company started? I want to say like the 40s. Yep, 1940s. Really? They wow. Started. I'm smart. Uh, they started in Canada, and then they got uh, bought and started being made in the U.S. And now they're back being made in Canada again. Yep. Uh, and the reason why they're light is it's aircraft grade aluminum, so it's thinner gauge than what some of these other aluminum boats and stuff like that are made of. But you're getting something that's still quite durable, easily repairable. And very light because this is the same stuff they're putting on a plane that's floating in the sky. <laughs> so, uh, and like I said, it comes with different sizes, different lengths. Yeah. So uh, you can get 12 foot, 14 and 16 in three different configurations. So yeah. honestly, uh, your brother got the 16 foot. I, originally, I was going to get the 16 foot. I went to I don't remember the, the I place in there. Port Perry. I, f- I forget the name. <laughs> I'll link it down below, but it's called uh, Canoe Freedom Canoe and Kayak. Yes. And I went there and the guy, Mike amazing to deal with amazing customer service and he asked me why you want the 16 i was like oh i just want something a little longer and he's like dude he's like look at the 14 you won't want the 16 believe me he's like don't get the 16 he talked me out of it i'm so glad he talked me out of it because the 14 so much more manageable it's so much more bigger than you'd ever expect you sit in that thing you're like this is huge And with the full transom you get a lot of storage all the way to the back whereas most of the time with the canoe it's pointed at the front and back being as wide as it is in the middle all the way straight to the back is a lot of space yeah. a lot now that being said if i only used it for camping i'd get the 16 yeah but for fishing 14 is fine the 16 is not more stable than the 14 it's just longer yes so so that's kind of the reason why the sports pal like that's a great option 100 percent. if i was to recommend to someone hey i want to get into fishing i want something that's you know stable to fish out of that is probably the most adept fishing canoe i've ever been in because 100%. you can stand which is really useful you, you know you can do some of the techniques like flipping and pitching and pushing to the weeds and go for bass. Whereas in my canoe, the again, it's Algonquin 16 Swift canoe, great canoe. But if you try and stand in that thing, you're going to be going over pretty soon. Like we, we, we have, have, you can like adjust yourself, but one person stands at a time and the other person has to be like super like rigid. So that's not like getting, do you, do you know how wide your canoe is? I don't know exactly how wide. I, wide I my guess most. would be probably like, 33 34 inches yeah and my canoe is i think 38 39 inches wide yeah. and some but of the it, most stable kayaks are like 40 inches the, wide. the big difference too between his his canoe and mine is the whole shape mm-hmm. so mine 
has I forget exactly what it's what there's this <laughs> I found it really interesting to research it but uh, there's initial stability and then there's like end stability essentially so the whole shape on his because it's very flat has a very strong initial stability you can stand up you don't you don't feel like you're wobbling at all if it starts tipping very easily that will go past a tipping point of no return and then go so if he starts to tip, he's going in. On my canoe, it's more of a rounder hull shape. So it's it's a bit more wobbly to begin with. So it's going to have movement side to side when you're in it. But if you're tipping over, because the edges kind of curl in as well, you can be on a pretty strong angle in that canoe before you're at risk of it actually flipping. So there is a difference between that. But again, if you're standing up, you're not, you don't have the initial stability. You don't You feel unstable. 100 percent yeah um but swift canoe it started in 1988 so it's much more recent than sports pal was and they actually split off of algonquin outfitters which is still running okay uh up up on algonquin park so uh, bill swift split off from there and started the new company swift canoe uh, i wanted something canada made and i was looking for it and, and again something light something that was geared for algonquin park so i got one that literally said it on the canoe <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so we, we fish out of that. And it's funny, like when you, like we used to fish a lot from shore or growing up, my dad had a, a no fiberglass boat. So I'd fish out of that and went camping and whatnot. But being out in big water or like a fair size oh. lake in a canoe, especially my canoe, because again, you're feeling it always moving. I know we were, we were fishing a lake in Algonquin Park and we actually, uh, we made some, some fishing lore that came out of this. So <laughs> We were paddling back, uh, we were night fishing, and Jesse has his, his fish finder there on the, in the boat, and we're, we're, we're going along. Now, it's one thing to be like, at dark, the dark doesn't bother me. I love being in a canoe in the dark. That's completely fine. The water's like glass, the moonlight's coming down. What gets weird and makes me feel uneasy is when you look at the fish finder and see that you're sitting at 180 feet of water and you're like, if for some reason I don't float, I'm sinking 180 feet to the bottom of this like black depth of, of like, lagoon. <laughs> it's insane. So it's, it's a little unnerving to think of that. And so Jesse and I came up with a, a cryptid creature that would be in the lake, uh, helping and also uh, dragging anglers down to the depths. If it wasn't, accepting of their sacrifices <laughs> let's just say we were sober when we came up with this just as a heads yes. up so the creature is called the opianga killer it is a large turtle-like creature with a massive shell often mistaken for islands in the algonquin lake system uh, but it does have a musky head yep. and a muskrat tail that <laughs> helps in its propulsion <laughs> yep <laughs> so this whenever we we're going around and and if we catch a a big bass or something like that it's always a blessing from the opianga killer or if you happen to lose a good fish or you get a hook in the hand or yep. you lose you're just losing baits all morning that's the opianga killer taking its sacrifices yep <laughs> but it will reward you <laughs> maybe if you're good <laughs> but yeah so we uh we may reference the opianga killer we, we reference it pretty much every time we go fishing but yeah it's just one of the weird things that me and andrew if, if you about. ever hear that that name being thrown around in one of our videos or anything like that at least now you know where its origins are from and be on the lookout people it's real it's real if you see a big hump on your fish finder the size of a football field it ain't no hump that's the opianga <laughs> killer <laughs> <laughs> so uh so that's that's that one i know jesse's got we're gonna be looking forward to trying out the new canoe or the new kayak he's gonna pick up uh, up there, the D1, and then we also have. You're looking to get another pedal drive, like you said. 2024 is going to be good. I'm my wife and me talked, and we're gonna. I'm gonna get a a big water pedal drive kayak so I can start targeting some Lake Ontario fish in the depths and some big northern pike. It's gonna be good. That's a great segue because you're talking about fishing big water. So the next question I wanted to address is how can you be safe about fishing in canoes in kayaks? And for me, it's being aware of the report. Like we've gotten caught in some pretty bad weather. We were fishing in, uh, on an offshoot of, of Lake Ontario. And, the, you know, you looked at the, the weather. It's like, oh, it looks good. Not too bad. Wind gusts, not too bad. Mm -hmm. uh, but that forecast changed. And we were fishing out there. And we could not turn my canoe back into shore. We actually had to put it aside some random stranger's house. Because 
we were we knew we were gonna flip if we tried to get back we couldn't even get back there was like two five, five foot waves came out of nowhere it, it was insane so we were filling with water it was bad it, it was like great fishing up until that point oh but amazing but you always had to be aware so when we saw the the Kajol in you know we thought we were taking a preemptive strike at it too and it on the way back it just was getting worse and worse and worse you know sometimes camping camping in the parks you have a day where it's going to be you know it looks completely fine but all of a sudden the day you have to leave there's a windstorm and i've had to canoe back in three foot waves crashing over the bow and you're trying to push through it it's it's not fun yeah can it be done 100 percent. oh for sure you have to have your wits about you so and common sense so i would say i figured i'd talk about the canoe how to like like canoeing the kayaks another more stable so i'll let you talk about some of the um it's like some of the water that people can do kayaking in yeah so like i i think if you see there again like you said there's different kinds of hulls for different kinds of kayaks so like for instance i'll use old town as an example because they're a very popular brand say you're getting a pedal drive they have the big water 132 it's not as wide but it's got a different hull so it handles big water better is it as stable as the wider 12 foot pedal drive version which is literally probably more than six inches more wide than the big water everyone's like oh this canoe's wider it's more stable it may be more stable when you're standing in calm water but when you're going through waves and stuff the thinner canoe handles it better so i'd say our best advice like you said is keep your eye on the weather like we have a wind app now wind is very important make sure you check because like it can you don't want to be caught offshore really far and i'd say if, if you're just getting into fishing out of a small craft stay close to shore yeah. <laughs> don't go far out in the lake or anything yeah. like that choose choose smaller lakes where the wind won't be as much of a factor even on calm days that constant wind will increase and will build that wave to to be a pretty substantial size so if you can fish like the sheltered side of the lake where the wind's coming from so you're not fishing the windswept side of the lake that's great uh fishing you know you can kind of hunker around down by peninsulas or in bays where they're a lot more sheltered so you're not spending all your time out there in the rough water i know with with canoe fishing uh or like in in any rough water i know i've had it on lake simcoe i flipped it on lake simcoe i've had it on you know rivers no issue like it doesn't get very windy on the rivers so all depending on what you're looking to do with it you can be safe but wind i would say is the largest determining factor you can go on big water on the right day 100 percent. but guys they, they take kayaks out in the ocean yeah like, like the gulf are, of mexico they do it all the they're time they're designed the, to the, do the that. salmon derby they run in in the fall and the end of summer a lot of the guys out there they have a whole uh section of guys that is just canoes right for the kayaks same, kayaks yeah, for yeah. The salmon derby so it's all these guys in kayaks out on lake ontario fishing that's that's big water and guys are out there on rough days too yeah but again when you're when you're prepared for those conditions you're good if your craft is not then don't go out it's better to be safe than sorry and of course always wear a life jacket uh in any situation any even on calm days like it's easy not to wear them we see a lot of people not wear them but if you're in a boat by yourself especially you should 100 percent all the time be wearing a life jacket yeah People do die every year. And if it's a nice, calm day and you're out there in a canoe, how many times have we been fishing in a canoe and these giant boats, like courtesy, for anyone listening, courtesy is if you're in a canoe, the the larger craft will slow down and pass you calmly so that they're not sending this massive wake out behind them that is at risk for you. That is kind of lost courtesy nowadays that we've we've found so many times we're brought in my canoe and your canoe the older guys the older and guys and girls they know what they're they doing do, but there's so many times these young guys come along in like a wakeboarding boat yeah. super deep v and it's sending a, a two and a half foot wake out the back and they're just flying across the lake like 30 feet from you yeah like, they'll, like they'll super go right close. beside you right beside even you. jet skis are ripping around super close all that stuff you know it's not natural waves coming at you but these wakes they can come at you and they can they can flip you easily if you don't have your canoe pointed directly at them they're hitting your your boat or your kayak broadside and even there's a very high chance you're going over with a wake coming along and so even always, if you go straight on like for yeah. instance i was fishing on uh, uh trent river um with zach and we were going in the sports belt we were going up the river and this guy whipped by us within i'd say 30 feet yeah. in a bass boat and he whipped right by us huge wave came at us i managed to turn the boat just in time we still half filled with water yeah and the guy just like waved as he went by it's like 
don't you get what you just you almost capsize this <laughs> yeah. like i could have lost everything just because they're too dumb to slow down or so, they don't care so choose your areas carefully where you're fishing yeah. if you're going to be in um you know if you're a cottage or wherever you're, you normally launch your or where you want to go canoeing or kayaking if it's on a very busy body of water with a lot of big boats just be cautious be aware that they are there uh one give thing them I, their space you give them their space yeah. and hopefully they'll give you yours as well and the other thing too uh watch some videos on different paddling strokes i know with with kayaking there are a few you can use with canoeing with a standard paddle there are a lot of different paddle strokes that can be used in order to be much better at maneuvering your canoe even looking at i remember i was watching videos on you know shooting rapids and stuff like that because i've done that a couple times just you know not crazy ones it's it's definitely fun but learn you have to learn how to read the water and then also how to paddle so it's if you're paddling canoe or a kayak in calm water it's dead easy anyone can do it but then if you have waves and you're you have to like i said get back from your campsite back to your car and it's two foot white caps blowing out there yeah (laughs) and you have to make sure that you're paddling on the right cusp of the wave or else you're leaning over too far you're not putting the power where it needs to be to get that forward momentum on those waves and you're at risk you're at greater risk so even learning how to paddle effectively uh you know doing the pull doing the pry that can move your boat side to side on wherever you're paddling from that stuff can make a huge difference on your safety on the water just to be uh knowledgeable about and experienced at least somewhat on how to do those things to know when to when to use those different methods because it's it's coming handy for me when having to like i said boats ripping by you and you got to pull your back into your canoe over really quick you know using some of these not your standard just paddling stroke to do that is fantastic and even using some like the j stroke is what i often use when i'm paddling on my own just to get a nice trolling speed of the canoe and you're not constantly flipping side to side so there's lots of stuff that is just beneficial for ease of fishing depending on what you're doing yeah it's definitely there is some skill involved and some practice in in being effective in paddling paddling you've done some modifications to your canoe yeah uh besides just putting on you know different gear whatever you want having a fish finder on having your depth finder having a motor or whatever uh you know i know jesse's put in some extra bars coming across so we can mount those accessories to them yeah uh, you've altered your transom for more support so you can mount your trolling motor better on the side uh, i know for my canoe i even built a, a little transom that mounts onto the gunnel so i can put a trolling motor on my canoe which is not a flat back at all so that kind of stuff is something that you can always modify to make it a little bit better if there's something that you know you want to have something that you're paddling but that one time a year you're going to be putting a a motor on it you can actually buy um special transom mounts that are built for canoes that you can then put your little trolling motor on it it's fantastic i've seen guys they make a catamaran they take two canoes and they clamp some big two by fours across both and they put a motor in the middle like that's stable as anything so there's a lot of cool things you can do with your craft if you feel the need to have to modify a little bit. And again, as long as you're smart about it, you're not going to cause any damage to it or any serious repercussions. Yeah, and if, if obviously if anyone has any questions about any of the boats that we have, the Sports Pal, the, the other boat, um, obviously send us a message on Instagram or on our YouTube channel and we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. We will be filming. We didn't really film a lot last year. Um, I know a lot of people asked me about filming the sports pal video we've been talking about for a while with all the modifications and top speed and all that stuff that will be done this year this year we're actually focusing more on, on making content last year we got busy yeah. but it's going to happen this year but there there will be a lot of videos coming out with that kind of small craft topics so we're looking forward to that excellent so i believe you've got some questions that we had uh, requested yeah from our instagram followers so if you ever want uh you know, follow us on Instagram, Average Ontario Anglers. On our stories, we'll sometimes post requests for a question. So like I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, everyone who's posted a question for this has been entered into a raffle that will be announced. The winner will be announced on the next episode. So yeah. be sure, follow us, uh, have a share. That puts you in the running for, uh, even if we don't say your question, if you enter one for us, that puts you in. So, and the prize for this week is a jackal re-range jerkbait one of my favorite jerkbaits so we'll be posting that on our story so you can see what it looks like if you've never seen them but they're a really it's that one with the long cast uh like yeah. bearing that i, I snaps don't have with one the magnets. and jesse has <laughs> has 
you know, he's beaten me a few days with with that. It's a it's a <laughs> I've used a lot of jerk baits and it is it's a very good jerk bait. Yeah. Uh, it's really good for smallmouth pike, everything like that. But anyway, just as a just as a, a a heads up for if you own a brand or you make baits or something like that, if you would like to sponsor a giveaway, yeah. um, we would be happy to do that. If uh, if you are interested in that, you can uh, shoot us a message on Instagram or or email us. Here's some of the questions that are going to be added into the draw. Everyone who asked a question will be added into the draw. We can't go through them all. Um, I we actually got over fifty. Yeah. Uh, questions today i was actually blown away i was like wow that many people have questions for us so i'm just going to go through and we're going to answer them very quickly because unfortunately we're already going over time but uh me and andrew will kind of switch through and we'll we'll answer them quickly if you want more depth on our answer just send us an instagram message and i'm i'm sure yeah, one of us dm will. us directly yeah because i mean with these 50 we could do a whole podcast <laughs> on that okay okay this one's for andrew pike fishing under or topwater fishing i more effective underwater, but I love seeing Pike hit something on the top water like seven times before they get hooked and just even like spin wheel out of the water. But I had to say for effectiveness, 100% subsurface. All right, here's another one. Blackfly lure. Oh, sorry. That was um, Snid 686. <laughs> okay, this is Blackfly Lures. He asks, what does Andrew do to keep that mustache so fierce? <laughs> so... I actually use a little bit of beard oil. I thought these were fishing questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing much. It just grows luxuriously. All right. Poorly made musky memes. Follow this guy if you like funny musky fishing memes. Uh, I find him pretty entertaining. I'll, ask, I'll answer this. What's the best advice you give to a novice, a novice angler? Um, number one, I'd say is be patient, put in the work, and don't get too caught up in all the gimmicks. Just keep it simple, put the time in the water, and you will catch fish. Will Morris 8 says, who catches bigger fish? <laughs> I guess that really depends, okay? <laughs> depends on the species. It depends on species. Like some some fish, Andrew has a way bigger PB, some I do. It's kind of split. So I'd say both of us. It depends on the day, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is Damien. Pick a pike pattern, all white or fire tiger? Fire tiger. Fire tiger, 100%. Yeah. The perfect jig. Brendan asks, when is my podcast invite? We actually have a bunch. I was surprised before this podcast even came out. I had very many companies and people ask me to be host on the podcast. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So yeah. Brendan, yeah, we'll we'll get you in there for sure. Brendan um, is very knowledgeable about bass fishing and obviously the perfect jig company. We use a lot of his stuff, his frogs, his jigs, his plastic, stuff like that. We'll get him on there for sure. And maybe for that episode, wink, wink, he'll sponsor a giveaway for you guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, Yak and Bassin, this is a question for me. To ban or not to ban forward-facing sonar or panoptics? That's a very long topic that I cannot get into. <laughs> My answer is, without getting political, I don't care. I literally don't care. If the pros and the pro circuits want to eventually ban it because it's unfair, whatever, I don't care. If you use they it... They said depth finders are unfair back... Flashers are unfair back in the new day. New technology always angers the old guys. Does it make it unfair advantage? I feel like the only thing that I find unfair about forward-facing sonar is the fact that most people can't afford it. Yeah. Okay? Do I feel like it gives some people an unfair advantage? Yes. If others slightly. don't have it, yes. You still have to catch the fish, though. If so, everyone has it on the boat, it's no longer unfair. Yeah. All right, Andrew, what's your favorite freshwater fish to cook and why? Uh, I would have to say I like pike. Pike is an underrated fish. It's not say, that pike. hard to cook, like to, to clean. There are other, you have to learn a different flame method and then you're done. Is it different than bass and walleye? Yes, but just learn a different flame method and they're no longer hard to fillet. And they taste the good. The meat is excellent. The meat's cleaner than the bass I usually catch. And yeah, that thing fries up excellent. And if pike, you beer battered pike is top notch. And if you fish the Korthas, a lot of these lakes that have pike in them, they don't want pike in them because yeah. it's musky. So if you catch pike, keep them, clean them up. You'd yeah. be surprised how good they taste. Yeah. All right, here's another question from Mark. How do you like the Garmin sonar looking at making the switch from um, Hummingbird, but never used a Garmin? Honestly, I've never used Hummingbird, so I can't speak on that. But I've owned two Garmin units now. They've both been really good. I'm really happy with them. Um, They're both very reputable brands. I wouldn't say that one really has an upper hand besides whatever t technology or software they might be using. But as for... I've never had an issue with They're both durable. They're both, yeah. Yeah. They're both very well-renowned brands. Yeah, for sure. My dad had a very old Hummingbird unit that is still running today so that's got to tell you something 
All right, Jeremy McGregor, he asks, and here's one for you. Tips to catch cold water pike, but avoid the closed season bass in the same pond. That's a good one. That's so, a hard one. So I would say fishing the outskirts of the weeds. So pike, they're often like super, they're, they're both in shallow water. But I find the bass, they're a lot more sluggish than the pike are. Pike are actually cold water fish. So in the cold water, they're a lot more active. So a faster approach is going to target more pike than bass. And pike are going to be more ambushing. So they might be staging in for the spawn, but they're still ambushing prey. Bass, they're kind of staging for their spawn, but they're quite sluggish at this time. So unless you're doing finesse presentations to them, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to be catching bass if you're using something quicker. So some fast jerk baits, chatter baits, yeah, like stuff we, like that. We've caught bass fishing for pike in like April, but not very many. Yeah. But once it gets towards like May or June, you will catch bass. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. What, like what are you going to do zach says any new vids planned similar to your beginner's guide for casting for salmon longer and informative that is the style that i like to do if you, if, if you've ever watched youtube and you've seen tactical bassin i would like to be the amateur tactical bassin team i like informative videos i don't like videos where they're just like watch me fish for you know with an ice fishing rod for musky like that to me is stupid I want to want learn to give you something. Usable information too. We do have plans, like we said before, about yeah. doing that. We do like to make those videos. What's the best tip to catch the fish of a thousand casts? Why don't you take that one? Uh, don't give up. Cast a thousand times. <laughs> it's actually ten thousand casts. So just yeah. as a heads up. It's, so my tip would be cast a lot more than a thousand times. Yeah. It. I would say just doing research on locating them. It's. It's not that they're hard to catch. They're hard to locate. Once you're there. You know, it's it's learning the technique of most of them. I know Jesse was teaching me a lot of most of them a hit right when it hits the water shortly after or at the boat. So every cast, make sure you're figure eighting. I know when I caught mine in the figure eight, I did not see that muskie at all. Came it was from underneath right the boat. there. And I guarantee and I it like, followed First in. turn and then I saw it turn. And it was there. Like it blew my mind. Right at the last minute. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. figure figure eight after every single cast. Don't get lazy with that. And, and yeah, find out where you can locate them on the water. Just general rules and focus your your time on those areas all right bass addict 85 i'll answer this disclaimer i'm not a musky expert (laughs) you've caught some good ones though okay bass addict 85 says what was your most used setup for bass last season rod reel line lure tons but i'll say one setup that i did really good with is um i'm not going to name brands or anything because it doesn't really matter but a seven foot or seven seven foot to seven foot three um medium heavy bait casting rod fast action um 15 pound fluorocarbon and that was i did really good with swim jigs on that swim jigs sanko stuff like that and i'd say for spinning rod uh i had a, a 7-1 medium just like a general purpose rod 10 pound braid 8 or 10 pound fluoroliter and drop shot like not really finesse drop shot but like drop shot around weed edges and stuff i did really good for that what about you i i actually made a goal not to use my spinning rod very much at all last you year. didn't and, oh i it was surprised awesome. so i i have a bfs uh kind of a budget bfs and i was using that in place of a spinning rod so not true bfs stuff but casting lighter baits and i had a lot of success with that so that's you know super light action i had 10 pound braid on there mm-hmm. fishing all these small baits I had a lot of success with that. Little topwaters. I love fishing little topwaters on that. And then my other one, same as Jesse, except instead of fluorocarbon, I like to run braid on a lot of stuff. So I was running, I think it was 35-pound braid on mine. Uh, but very similar. Yeah, medium medium heavy uh, bait casting rod, but seven feet long. You can't go wrong with a medium yeah. heavy, but we'll get you more into that. You can do anything with that pretty much. Um, Julian asks, if you, had, if you had to target one fish for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? And we'll make this quick. Smallmouth, just because they're a blast to catch, and they're at, there's they're in so many different areas. True. Depending what lake you go to, they're they're all over the place. What about you? Um, s- smallmouth would be a good one. Um, I want to say largemouth, but I also want to say northern pike. That's that's another I, good I, one. I'm gonna say northern pike yeah. because I feel like if you just targeted northern pike and fish for the big ones, it would be very rewarding. Because everyone fishes for bass. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get more into that after. A lot of them are, what's your favorite freshwater fish? A lot of the questions are the same. Paul says, favorite way to catch largemouth? Frog. frog. <laughs> okay, frog for sure. <laughs> to be fishing, Bobby asks, what's one bait you want to catch a muskie on, but you haven't yet? For I... me, a Medusa. <laughs> I'm just saying, because normally we use like bucktail, spinnerbait, suic, stuff like that. 
and I've, I've used the Medusa quite a bit and I had a fish, I had a few fish follow and just, I, it's just one lure that I just want to hit. And I know it's not really an exciting, uh, bait to catch it on, but a Medusa fish. I've caught muskie on top water. I've caught them on the, you know, the usual stuff, but uh, for me, uh, and, and not just a small one, a big Medusa, like one of those big one pounders. That'd be awesome. You, you know what I'm going to say, Jesse. I, <laughs> I have an old pikey chub jointed, yep. jointed minnow. Uh, that my brother-in-law Jacob gave me, and he, uh, this this bait is I don't know from the '60s. It's chewed up, and it oh, the action in the water is amazing. And I've been wanting to catch a muskie on this. I've had a couple follows. You had a follow last that year. That was yeah. a good fish too. Yeah. I he had a, at least a 45 incher come right to the boat, and then just as soon as it saw him, it because the so water was clear, clear, it just like whew, shot away. But I that's on my rod about half the time because I'm like determined to catch a muskie on that. <laughs> Here's a good question, and I'll answer this. Um, Carson says, when do you use a mono versus a fluoro leader? Okay. So very quickly, we'll get into this in another episode about fluoro, which we're going to do, but I feel like the industry standard of only using fluorocarbon leaders is a big scam. I feel like fluorocarbon is good for certain situations, but it's not needed in a lot of situations. Like if you fish like a quarter lake, that's like murky, lots of weeds. Believe me, the fish don't care if you're using fluoro or mono or straight braid or straight braid. (laughs) So like I actually prefer to use mono leaders and you know, I use that Maxima Ultra Green, just like Matt Allen on Taco Bass, and not that that matters, but he's known as using mono leaders and he catches giant bass. Mono has more stretch. Mono is more abrasion resistant than a lot of fluorocarbons. Hmm. I will use mono leaders for anywhere I can get away with it. Unless the water's gin clear, I'm not using fluorocarbon. It's not worth the money. Yeah. That's that's my thought. Again, we're going to get a lot more. We're going to get a lot more into that episode. We have plans for that already. So. Yeah. Favorite color of worm craw if you could only have one? Uh, worm, I'd probably say like the pumpkin seed, like the the white and green. Okay. I like I like that mix of very natural colors. What about you? I'd say green pumpkin. I'm happy That's with... That's the one I'm thinking of. Green pumpkin and black and blue, you can't go wrong with either. Green pumpkin, I could use 90% of the time, yeah. depending on the lake. Um, and that was uh, Bassman 140. Okay, Irish Angler Ontario says, what are your most consistently reliable lures in Ontario for Ontario bass? I'll do one, then you do one. Okay, uh, chatterbait. Half ounce. That was mine. <laughs> three-eighths or a half ounce uh, green pumpkin or, or white chatterbait with a just a simple trailer in the back will catch anything. Walleye, bass, pike, muskie, doesn't matter. I would say the Rattlin Wrap is one of the most versatile crankbaits, like lipless crank you can use. And I've had a lot of success with those over the years for multi-species. Yep. Drop shot. Drop shot will catch bass in any lake, in any situation. You can drop shot, you know, super light line, super finesse baits, all the way up to like punching through like mats with like a heavy duty, like Bubba shot. So I'd say that, and but definitely a chatterbait would be way up there yeah, for me. Chatterbait. And I'd have to say uh, like swim jig or, or flukes are fantastic flukes, as well. Yeah. I, I have lots of success in the fluke. AV angling, favorite drop shot bait and why? I've gone through a lot and I'm not a big like big water smallmouth guy because we don't have the the boat for it but from my experience of using drop shot baits we've used a lot i really got onto that brand great lake finesse they make some really good drop shot baits and they're neutrally buoyant so they literally just hover like um the max scent flatworm has been like you know everyone wants them you remember there was a time when they were so backward that people were buying them for like you know 30 bucks a bag on on ebay and stuff i feel like the scent is good but the actual bait is not very good they're not neutrally buoyant. They just kind of hang. If you want a bait that literally just like hangs and looks supernatural, check out Great Lakes Finesse. I have no affiliation with them at all, but they make really good baits. Here's a good one for you, Andrew. What's a good bass setup? So I would say, yeah, medium heavy bait casting rod. Bait casting is more versatile for fishing, especially if you want to go both species. If you're fishing around weeds, you want something a lot heavier than spinning. I've done it, <laughs> but you are at a disadvantage unless you have a heavier action rod uh 150 series bait casting reel or even 100 series will will do you fine i like fishing braid just because again in, in those weeds and stuff like that that i'm mainly fishing i want something that can pull my lure out of there uh that still has a lot of line so when i'm fishing open water i can still bomb a long cast and still have lots of line left on that spool so yeah i'd say 30 35 pound braid 30 pound braid yep medium heavy seven foot bait casting rod fast action and just a decent bait caster you're good to go for pretty much anything out there here's a good one are jackhammers worth the money now i'll tell you really quickly they can be if you're a professional 
oftentimes professionals use professional grade gear because money's on the line. They want everything to be perfect. Mm -hmm. If that is you, then yes. If you're someone that's very finicky about your lures, then yes. If you don't like spending $25 on a chatterbait, then no. I have seven or eight chatter or jackhammers. I also have tons of other brands and, and, Mm -hmm. and different price points from $7 to $25. And I'll tell you, like, I love fishing jackhammers. I feel scared when I fish them, especially around pike and muskie. So if you, if you fish around those kind of fish, then I would not use them or I'd use a wire leader. But if you're fishing for bass, you don't want to use a wire leader. So the answer is maybe, (laughs) but that's a, that's another topic. Here's a good one. One last question. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> now he's to change his mind. Two. Have you guys caught rainbows in the spring on small minnow baits? I have. Yeah, me I too. Ca- I, yeah, I caught them on uh, on a little, was it the Rebel? The little Rebel. The Rebel minnow? Yeah, the little Rebel minnow. Yeah. And I caught one on those in the, in the spring. Yeah. And that was a little drop back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you told me about yeah. that. I actually caught a pretty good one. Back in the day, I can't remember exactly, maybe like 15 years ago, on a little husky jerk, the little like maybe like two inch size with the two hooks and a little feathered treble that I had added on, mm-hmm. a little husky jerk. And yeah, it was it was after trout season opened and I was kind of twitching it through this pool and this big seven or eight pound bow just came up and crushed it. And I was just like, oh, oh fish yeah. <laughs> and actually got it in. So yeah, that was a good one. Here's a good question. This is the last one. And it's a good one. There is a question. Why does everyone hate Guggen? No response even needed. You know why. Okay, here's the, the last question. What is your vision for AOA? I see us Saturday morning on CNN, you know, being told that we capsized in a canoe and are now missing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that uh, I would like to see us uh, being able to, you know, continue on with this podcast Will it be a full-time gig? I don't know if I see that in our future. But if it got there, that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, definitely progressing more on the video content, focusing on getting our YouTube uh, so that there's a lot more content for, for you viewers to see uh, informative videos for the average angler. That's what we're going to be focusing on more so than just our Instagram posts. We want to be a lot more informative so you can learn how to catch fish on whatever body of water is around you or what you normally go to. Yeah. And over the last few years, few years, yeah, we've made some YouTube videos, you know, we've, you know, been posting on Instagram, but this year we've actually really invested, like we've invested almost a thousand dollars on all this podcast stuff. So like we appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we are investing in it now this year and we are, we have things planned actually for this year, an yeah. event and a uh, fishing tournament coming up and stuff like that, that is still in the works. So we'll talk about that more in a day's coming, but yeah there are stuff for the plans it's a hobby we enjoy it but it's going to get to the point where something has to come out of it where we could you know supplement our income so that we can actually work less and start fishing more so that is our plan if if this can help pay for our hobby which is anyone out there listening knows fishing is an expensive hobby yeah and if this can help support us in that we ain't got no pro staff so (laughs) and again like we'd mentioned we do have a lot of followers we do have a lot of people that that listen to our our ramblings if you are someone that would like to we're we're not affiliated with any company but if you would like to sponsor a giveaway on our podcast we'd be happy to arrange that and in turn you would get some uh advertising advertising on the podcast podcast probably multiple times throughout but so we've had several offers already that we've been thinking about but if you're interested please send us a message and it's not a continue you can do a one-time sponsor of an episode if you're interested but yeah uh so just before we sign off, uh, tell them where we can find us, Jesse. All right. So our podcast is going to be on Spotify, Apple Car, not Apple CarPlay, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and a few other ones that I'll list uh, as soon as I figure it out, and uh, also on YouTube, as you can see. Hi. So yeah, thank you for listening to our episode one. We look forward to making a few of these, well, a lot more than a few in the future. And uh, this episode was a bit long. Yes. We'll admit because we forgot to put the timer on, but most of the episodes, as Andrew will explain, they're going to be a little shorter. Yes. We're hoping to keep it between 45 minutes and, a, and an hour. Uh, we want to be under that hour mark so that you can listen to us on your commute into work there and back and kind of be done with the episode. Uh, we don't want you to be kind of stopping halfway through an interesting topic and not being able to pick it up for a week or so. So 
Uh, we're going to have kind of each episode being focusing on one topic. Like I said, today was uh, canoe and kayaks. Uh, we're going to have our next episode out, I believe, is going to be on monofilament, braid, and fluoro. So that's, yep. we were talking about that. There's going to be more information on what lines are going to be used. That's going to be our next episode. And be sure as well to listen to the end of the next one for whoever wins that jackal rearrange jerk bait. Oh, yeah. You're going to be happy. And that, with that giveaway is sponsored by me and Andrew's wallet. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Be sure to follow us. Uh, like and subscribe if you have the opportunity. Please, Please write us a review. Write us a review. They help a lot. They help a lot, and they help us do this. So, thank you very much. Have a great day. 